for prayer this morning. Brother Kaler, would you pray for us, please? And I think you may be seeing, unless you celebrate a birthday and anniversary, and I know Miss Johnson and I have one today. Right, Miss B as well. Praise the Lord for the birthday people. Good to have them. A few things here from the bulletin. First of all, I ask that you'd pray for the Marinos. Today is their first day as pastor and wife. Uh, they're in California and San Marcos, and so, so excited for them as uh, they start that new ministry there. Uh, couples retreats coming up February 16th, 17th, or the 17th and the 18th. Uh, if you've not already registered, you need to do so. Uh, we look forward to having a good time there. Also, if you're going, if you could sign up on the sign-up sheet in the back, it lets us be informed who's going, and uh, we can make plans that way. A ladies' meeting coming up uh, February 23rd, 6.30. And uh, I know the ladies look forward to their time together, and so I want to mark that down. Notice the start time, 6.30 and not 7. Uh, missions conference coming up, and uh, we're going to have uh, the Scuffums with us to Cambodia. Uh, the Marinos to California and the Parkers to Japan. Looking forward to our missions conference. Know it'll be a blessing. And uh, so want to get down your calendar March 1st through the 5th. A uh, youth rally coming up at Faith Baptist on March the 17th. Uh, me here at church at 545. Need to bring $12 cash money. Okay. Uh, and we'll look forward to a good time there. Uh, man camp uh, is uh, going to be March the 8th. And uh, the cost is $55, and uh, we need to get you uh, registered as soon as possible. There's a sign-up sheet on the back. And uh, the, I'm sorry, the man camp itself takes place the 24th through the 25th. Registration's due by the 8th. Uh, so if you can help us there, that'd be great. Uh, prayer needs, ask that you remember to pray for all these that are on here. Uh, in particular, Paul Medlin was uh, put into the hospital and uh, with covid and so if you would be praying for him, Mrs. Medlin, as they go through this time. Uh, Mrs. Reichelt's been sick for a number of weeks. Uh, and so if you would remember to pray for her. Uh, the Crots the third, they were supposed to be in Texas down in El Paso this week. But they all came down with the flu for some reason. And so they've rescheduled that, but they're homesick. And so if you would pray for them. Uh, to get all healed up. I know they appreciate that. And then we have uh, Ellie Chin, uh, still in the hospital, trying to get her into a, a care place. We want God to do what God wants there. But if you would, uh, pray for uh, wisdom and patience and guidance and all of that. I know the Bensons appreciate that. And then Aunt May did get uh, sent to uh, Lakewood, and so you can pray for her and uh, her healing take place. She'd be able to uh, get back uh, soon, get back uh, out of the care facility and back going. I know she would appreciate those prayers. But it's good to be together today. Lord bless you for being here. Uh, we'll have Brother Foster come back, lead us in another song, and then we'll get to our Sunday school time. Lord bless you. 
sing hymn number 389, Bring Them In. We'll sing the first and the last verses. my class, we are in lesson number 11. If you need a handout, Brother Potts has those. If you'd raise your hand, he'll get you one. And we'll be in 1 Peter chapter number 5 for this lesson. You can be turning there in your Bibles. And we'll be there in just a moment. All right, as you're waiting for those, the title of this lesson is The Way Up is Down. And we understand that we live in a society that is very prideful, and we even deal with pride in our own lives. It's a self-centered world, and people strut around trying to convince themselves and everyone else that they're superior. Uh, Many books have been written on success, and many of them peddle the premise that greatness can only be achieved by lifting oneself up and putting others down. But our lesson today is quite contrary to that, and we find from the Word of God that that is not to be our attitude, that's not to be uh, our position as a Christian, and uh, God has a much different plan for us, so it would do us well to understand what God's plan is and to adhere to it, that we might know how we ought to live in this world and how we ought to function as a child of God and how we ought to please Him in all that we do. So as we look at this secular world, there are distinct levels of authority that we can easily recognize and and understand. In the military, there are officers and enlisted men. And within that, there are ranks within each. In the sports world, there are coaches and there are players. In the business world, there are corporation heads and lines of authority between managers, personnel, and laborers. So... In the secular world, one's status in the pecking order of personality, authority, or financial success indicates who is the greatest. Now, remember, that's the secular world. That's how they measure success and how they measure greatness. The highest boss or most powerful politician is seen as the greatest. Aren't you thankful that's not how God views things? 
God defines greatness in a much different way, and we find it here in our text this morning in 1 Peter chapter number 5 and verse number 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, and all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. I'll stop right there. And how many of you want God's grace today? I would venture to say that all of us want God's grace, and we desire God's grace, we need God's grace. So God's showing us here how we can obtain His grace, and it's through humility. Verse number 6, Humble yourselves, therefore under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time. So God promises here in our text that if we humble ourselves, He will lift you up and exalt you in due time. The word humble it has the idea of to make low, or to assign a lower rank, to have a modest opinion of oneself. George Washington Carver, we're familiar with him and all his uh, research and such around the, the peanut. He was a scientist who developed hundreds of useful products from the peanut. He once said this, When I was young, I said to God, God, tell me the mystery of the universe. But God answered, That knowledge is reserved for me alone. So I said, God, tell me the mystery of the peanut. And then God said, well, George, that's more nearly your size. And he told me. So God is the one who has all wisdom. And I'll be the first to raise my hand. I don't have things figured out in this life. I don't even know how to navigate this life outside of what God tells me. And he's the, the source that I look to for wisdom and knowledge and direction. And that's who we should be looking to in our life and uh, for what he desires from us. And as we're unfolding this this morning, the way up is down. If we want success, we should not be looking to the world and its measure of success, but rather looking at what the Word of God tells us success is. And he's telling us here that if you are to be exalted, you must be made low. You must make yourself humble before the Lord. Andrew Murray said, Humility is perfect quietness of the heart. It is to expect nothing, to wonder at nothing, to feel nothing done against me. How many of us are at that place where you can say that I'm in a place, it doesn't matter what's done to me, doesn't matter what people say about me, I'm in a place of perfect quietness because my relationship with the Lord is right. It is to be at rest when nobody praises me. And when I am blamed or despised, it is to have a blessed home in the Lord, where I can go in and shut the door, and kneel to my Father in secret, and am at peace as in a deep sea of calmness, when all around me and above me is trouble. Humility is the opposite of how we normally want to think about ourselves. Who wants to be humble in a world where everyone wants to be the best? But God repeats this instruction to the Humble ourselves in James chapter 4 and verse 10. He says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He shall lift you up. When we consider this life and what we are to do and who we are to please, we ought not to be seeking to please those around us, primarily. But our first 
matter of importance in the realm of who we should be pleasing is that of God. And God says, humble yourself, make yourself low, and He will lift you up. True greatness only comes from God, and only He can lift you up in ways that actually matter. Please consider that, that God is the only one that can lift you up in ways that matter. He has the power to exalt and the power to take down. We see this all throughout the Bible in several examples, including in the Old Testament. Notice what God told these individuals. In Joshua's life, uh, after Moses died, Joshua became the new leader of Israel. God told Joshua that he would lift Joshua up in the eyes of the people. Without God's exalting Joshua... In this way, he could not have effectively led the people to conquer the promised land. In Joshua 3, 7, it says this, And the Lord said unto Joshua, This day will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. They needed a leader that they understood uh, was connected to God and had the wisdom of God and the leadership of God on his life, and God made that known in the life of Joshua to the people. Then we look at Saul. When God used the prophet Samuel to confront King Saul about his pride, Samuel reminded him that that it was when he was humble that God blessed him. In 1 Samuel 15 and verse 17. And Samuel said, When thou wast little in thine own sight, wast thou not made the head of the tribes of Israel? And the Lord anointed the king over Israel. So it's at the time of humility when God can really use us. And God can work in us and perform what He desires in our life. And then we look at the life of David. As the prophet Nathan delivered God's blessing to David, he told him that God had found him humble and exalted him. In 1 Chronicles chapter 17 and verse 7, Now therefore thus shalt thou say unto my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheepcote, even from following the sheep, that thou shouldest be ruler over my people Israel. And I have been with thee whithersoever thou hast walked, and have cut off all thine enemies from before thee, and have made thee a name like the name of the great men that are in the earth. So if we desire to make a great impact in this world, we need the favor of God. We need the hand of God upon our lives. We need His power and His presence residing in us and allowing that power to work through us. So how then do we humble ourselves before God? How do we go about this? Since humility is really just having an accurate understanding of ourselves, we need only to look and see the truth of the matter. So in today's study, we'll we'll notice four directions we can look to to have humility. The first is this, humble yourself by looking up. Humble yourself by looking up. What do we mean by that? Well, first, we need to look to Christ. Amazingly, He, God in the flesh, is the perfect example of humility. So when we look up, we're going to look at what Jesus did. Jesus left the splendor of heaven and gave up the independent use of His divine attributes and allowed His creation to hang Him on a cross. He did this so that we might have salvation. He then spent His life on earth, not demanding His own rights, but living a simple life of service to others. If anyone was worthy of praise and honor and not having to go and and suffer on our behalf, it was Jesus Christ. But He exemplified humility, as we see in 
Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5. Now, the admonishment here is that we would look to Christ, look at what He did. And Philippians gives us the example of what He did for us. And He's reminding us, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made Himself of no reputation, and took upon Him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God, hath, God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of things in heaven, and things in earth, and things under the earth. So might I remind you, at the beginning of that portion of scripture it says let this mind be in you so we have a command of God that we are to have the mind of Christ and we see that his attitude was that of humility he was willing to humble himself and become a servant on our behalf and because he was willing to do so God hath highly exalted him it's the same pattern would follow uh, for us if we would allow ourselves to be humble in the sight of God then the promise is there for us that He will exalt us in due time. So just before Jesus died on the cross, He demonstrated humility as He washed His disciples' feet. As He finished, He told them that they should likewise show humility by serving one another in John thirteen fifteen. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done. So when Jesus came to the earth, He gave up everything for us as He humbled Himself in every way imaginable. So look at what Jesus did. Jesus humbled himself for you and I. We should be willing to humble ourselves before the Lord and for the sake of others. Look at what Jesus did. Look at what Jesus said. You can often tell if a person is humble by what they say about themselves. Proud people slip in self-aggrandizing statements while Humble people focus most of their conversation on God and others. So you can find out real quick if they're self-focused or if they're focused on God and others. Jesus spoke often of the glory of the Father and His desire to do the work of the Father. We'll look at several passages in John chapter 5. You can turn there. John chapter 5, and we'll see exactly what Jesus said. I think it's important for us to know truth and to allow that truth to penetrate our heart and allow it to affect the way that we live and the way that we... uh, pattern our lives around that of the Lord Jesus Christ. So in John chapter 5 and 19, this is what Jesus said. Jesus answered, said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself, but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. So here we have the attitude and the positioning of Jesus Christ in a matter of submission to the Father. So as we look to Jesus Christ and what He did, and then what He said, He's telling us that we are to look to the Father, and whatever the Father beckons us to do, whatever He requires of us, we ought to be willing to do. John chapter 5 and verse 30. I can of mine own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I seek not mine own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. As a child of God, we've been called by God to be a minister of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
So as we look to Jesus and what He has said here, we need to understand that it's not my will that I'm to be performing, but that of the Father. I'm to be performing His will in my life. So as we look to the Word of God and we see the commandments of the Word of God, we are to apply those and follow them and obey them as God intends. John chapter 5 and verse 41. I receive not honor from men. We ought not to be seeking honor from men. If you turn over now to the next chapter, John chapter 6 and verse 38. For I came down from heaven not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. Two more chapters over, John chapter 8 and verse 28. Then said Jesus unto them, When ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am He, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. We're beginning to see a pattern here in these verses. John chapter 8 and verse 50. And I seek not mine own glory. There is one that seeketh and judgeth. Go over to John chapter 14. John chapter 14 and verse 10. Believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me, he doeth the works. And then John fourteen twenty four, He that loveth me not keepeth not my sayings. And the word which ye hear is not mine, but the Father's which sent me. So I think that we can surmise this of the life of Jesus and what he said, that he was not self-absorbed. It was not about his cause or what he wanted to do, but everything that he did was that of the will of the Father in heaven. He didn't talk about himself, insist on his way, or promote his own reputation. Rather, he was focused on pleasing the Father and living in dependence upon the Father. So these are keys. If we are going to live a Christian life that is pleasing to our Heavenly Father, we must pattern ourselves around what Jesus did and what He said. That I, in my life, this is my priority. That I would live focused on pleasing the Father and living in dependence upon Him. We tend to be more focused on ourselves We seek our own glory. We want praise or credit even for the smallest things. We get bent out of shape if our contributions are unnoticed. Looking to Christ, however, is a rebuke to our natural pride. John the Baptist is an example as as he focused on Christ's greatness. He had no need to promote himself. In John 1.27, it is who coming after me is preferred before me. Whose shoes latch it, I am not worthy to unloose. And then he goes on in chapter 3 and verse 30, and he says this, He must increase, but I must decrease. That ought to be our prayer every day. He would increase, and I would decrease. When we look to what Jesus did and the way he humbled himself and listened to what he said and the way he promoted his Father's glory, we too should, and we should humble ourselves before the Lord as He did. So will you humble yourself? The question is, will you look to Jesus and what He did? Will you look at what He said? We have 
the pattern here that we are to follow. Remember in Philippians it said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So if we are to have the mind of Christ, then we are to look at what he said and what he did, and we understand that he did the will of the Father, and he was all about pleasing his heavenly Father. That needs to be our pattern as well. So we're looking to Jesus for our example. So as we see the example, can't help but lead to this next part of this, is when we see Jesus as our example, then we have to look at ourselves. Humble yourself by looking in. So we, Jesus is held up here as the example, and we are to, then to look at ourselves and compare the two and look where they're not equal and deal with those areas where they're not equal. Humble yourself by looking in. It's easy to see pride in others. We can easily recognize it in other people. How easily do we recognize it in ourselves and come humbly before the Lord and admit that and lay it on the altar of prayer before the Lord and ask Him to help you overcome that pride in your life. But God calls us to humble ourselves. And we're going to take a deep dive here in how we need to do these things. The first thing we must do is look at your motives. How are we going to measure if I have pride in my life? Now understand that pride is often justified. It's often an area of blindness in the life of the individual that is experiencing it. So we need to examine ourselves before the Lord and allow Him to illuminate our lives with the Holy Spirit of God and the Scriptures to reveal truth about ourselves. And the way that we can do that is looking at our motives. The Bible tells us that our own hearts are deceitful and wicked. If my heart is deceitful and wicked, then I can't trust myself. What can I trust? What do I know that I can trust? Well, I can trust the Word of God. I know it to be true. I know it to be from God. And I know it to be uh, the Word that God has given to me that I might live thereby. So I know it to be true. So when my heart is telling me things, and when my heart is desiring things, I have to remember this truth, that my heart is deceitful. Jeremiah 17, verse 9. It's deceitful above all things. That's bad enough, but it goes on. And desperately wicked. What does that mean? It's seeking it. Uh, It desires it so badly uh, that it will do anything to get what it desires. So the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And then he reminds us here, who can know it? Don't trust your heart. The world will tell you, trust your heart, follow your heart, all these things. That's garbage. The Word of God tells us what the heart is. Don't follow your heart. Follow the Word of God. Follow truth. So look at your motives. The deceitfulness of our hearts is such that we can even be proud of our humility. The reality is that when we are born, that we are born self-centered. It's a part of our nature. Think of a newborn child and the way they behave, the way they act. All they care about is uh, their own needs being met, and they'll let you know when their needs aren't being met. As a child grows older, his selfish nature reveals itself with demands to have things his way. And unfortunately, a lot of children have not been taught properly, and we have adults living in society that have the same attitude. They want things their way, and they have to have things their way, or it's just not uh, going to be a good situation. As adults, we get better at hiding the self-centeredness of our heart. But unless we choose to humble ourselves, it's still there. Often self becomes the motivator for what we do or even how we serve. (laughs) 
Let that sink in for a moment. You may be a member of Shawnee Mission Baptist Temple and doing things that you feel are good. Good acts of service. But what's the motive? What's the motive behind it? Is it about promoting self? Is it about making yourself feel good? Those are the wrong motives. Jesus told a parable that reveals the selfish desires of our hearts in Luke chapter 14 and verse 7. You can turn there. So we'll read a few verses here from this parable. We need to recognize how dangerous our heart is and how important it is to subject ourselves in humility before God and to His truth. Luke chapter 14 and verse 7. And He put forth a parable to those which were bidden when He marked how they chose out the chief rooms, saying unto them, When thou art bidden of any man at, to a wedding, sit not down in the highest room, lest a more honorable man than thou be bidden of him. And he that bade thee and him come and say to thee, Give this man place, and thou begin with shame to take the lowest room. But when thou art bidden, go and sit down in the lowest room, that when he that bade thee cometh, he may say unto thee, Friend, go up higher. Then shalt thou have worship in the presence of them that sit at meat with thee. For whosoever exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. When you're low, you can't go any lower, can you? When you are truly humbled, it's at that point that God can exalt you. And you can know it's from the Lord. And you can see Him working in your life. The self-centered heart wants recognition and applause. We can even do the work of the ministry with a selfish motive. God doesn't only care about what we do to serve Him and others. He cares about the motive behind it in which we do it. Our motive should always be love of Christ, not love of self. What does the Bible tell us? The love of Christ constraineth us. Everything that we do should be centered around a love that we have for the Lord Jesus Christ. Not our own selfish motives, but because we love Him, we want to please Him, and we want to serve Him. And we want to see His will done through our lives and through the lives of others that He might give us the opportunity to minister to. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 14. Got ahead of myself because right here is the verse. For the love of Christ constraineth us because we thus judge. And if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that He died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves but unto Him which died for them and rose again. These are some truths that I'm sure we've all heard. But how practically do we uh, put these into use in our daily lives, in our daily walk? Can you look back on this last week and ask yourself, did I ask the Lord to direct me every day and every hour of this past week? Did I ask Him for help with my thoughts, with my words, with my interactions with people? Or did I just go about the day doing it my own way? Now, I would venture to say that many of us would raise our hands to the latter, that we've gone about doing things our own way for many of the days of our week. But here we have, this is the Word of God, and He's telling us this is the way that we ought to live. Look at your motives. 
Look at your motives. Let me read verse 15 again. Let this sink in that Christ died for all. He died for you, and He died for me. He paid so great a price for our sin. He was willing to do that. He humbled Himself. He was willing to do that. Now, we ought to be thankful. We ought to have sincere gratitude for what He's done. And it ought to move us. That thankfulness, that gratitude ought to move us then to do all that we can for God. And it says this, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves. So now that I understand what God has done for me and the great price that He's paid through Jesus Christ and sending Him to die on Calvary's cross, He, paid, he was willing to suffer for my sin. He had no sin, but He suffered for my sin. Why should I dare live unto myself? Why should I desire to live unto myself? I should desire then to live for the one that died for me and rose again. So look at your motives. Then look at your mind. Look at your mind. Proud people think highly of themselves. Humble people think highly of God. Jesus told another parable about pride and humility. This one pointing to the ridiculousness of thinking highly of ourselves as we approach God. Luke chapter 18 and verse 10. Luke chapter 18 and verse 10. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week, I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house, justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted." We so easily think highly of ourselves and poorly of others. This manifestation of pride is evidenced when we think we deserve better than others. Or worse, than, we are, than that we are better than others. But God specifically tells us not to think more highly of ourselves than we ought to think. Reminded us that any good thing in us is a result of God's grace upon our lives. Romans 12, 3, For I say unto you, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. Only God can know our true motives and our thoughts. Thus, we like the psalmist should ask God to reveal them to us. Search me, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. As God reveals pride to us, we can repent and receive grace. I started to quote it here, Psalm 139, 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. That should be the cry of our heart. Because we are human beings, we all deal with pride. Don't let it blind you. Don't justify it. 
bring it before the Lord and petition Him as we've just seen here in Psalm 139. Search me, O God. Know my heart. We just read earlier that the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. We need God to help us to reveal the evil that is in our heart. Confess it before Him. Ask Him to deliver us from that prideful way. Ask God to search your heart and change your motives and your mind that both will be focused on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's important that we follow God's way. And I'm sure that there are many of us in here that can understand because of the the length of time that we've been a Christian, that the things that we've dealt with, that it's important that we understand the truth of the Word of God. But greater than an understanding is then the application of the truth. We know these things to be right. We know them to be from the Word of God. But do we put them in practice? Do we search and allow God to show us our motives? Do we allow Him to show us the evil and wickedness of our hearts? And do we ask Him to search our mind that we might bring every evil thought into captivity? We have a responsibility to live for God. We have a responsibility to Him. We have a responsibility before others that we, as Jesus Christ, pattern for us, that we would humbly submit everything to Him, that His will would be done in us and through us for His glory. Heavenly Father, we're thankful that you seek to work in us. And Father, I'm thankful for the Word of God that guides and directs. I'm thankful we don't have to look to this ever-changing world and the sinfulness in our society for our direction and the way that we must live. But I'm thankful we have the truth of the Word of God to guide us and direct us in all that we must do. And I pray that you'd help us where our flesh fights against it. I pray that you would help us to follow your Word, allow it to penetrate deep into our mind and our soul, that we would... Be mindful of it, that we would obey it by practicing it in our lives. Help us in this area of humility. I'm sure every one of us would admit we have more work that we can do. Father, I pray that you would humble us before you, that we might be exalted in due time for your honor and for your glory. Speak now in the service to follow, that you would penetrate again our hearts with what we need and the message you have for us today. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. We'll be back in here at 1030 for the worship hour.